1: And by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com.
0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Well, it's been quite a ride liturgically, hasn't it, in the last several months, going back all the way to the season of Lent, the season of the Great Fast through the season of the resurrection, then the ascension of our Lord in Pentecost, and last week was the Sunday of all saints in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. Boy, that's a wild ride. That is a lot of... That's a ride with a lot of high points to it. Very intense, very, very rich. And now we sort of come away from all that into what is known, especially in the Latin rite, as ordinary time. The Byzantine way of saying ordinary time is the... Sundays or weeks after Pentecost, and there's about 30-some. It depends on the the calendar. It depends basically on the numbering of the calendar that particular year. It goes in about 30, 31, 32, 33, around there. That's how many Sundays we mark after Pentecost, and that's how we mark them as the so-called ordinary time, although it's never really ordinary. In truth, the extraordinary is the ordinary, let's face it. Salvation history that we enter into through the church, through her prayer, the liturgy the sacraments, our life of of prayer, the life of the church, that's all really ordinary and extraordinary all at the same time. And so when we enter into this so-called ordinary time or the weeks after Pentecost, we do have times when that ordinary time is broken up. We'll have some incredibly exciting feast days coming along in the next several months, but basically we come off that constant rich, rich intensity that we've had the last several months. And before we go any further, I do want to say hello to some ordinary people who are therefore extraordinary. In other words, ordinary listeners and friends of Light of the East here. First of all, Elena Rodriguez and also Tom Price from EWTN Radio. Great friends of us here on Light of the East. And also our constant great friend Sonia out of Irinda, California. And also William from Akron, Ohio, near my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. John Fader from Royal Oak, Michigan, and of course, William Radovich. It's just some of our good friends I'd like to acknowledge before we go any further in light of the East. Ordinary friends, ordinary people who are at the same time extraordinary. Remember, in church language, and church thinking, especially in the Eastern spirituality, the ordinary is the extraordinary. In other words, take, for example, the idea of saints. A saint is actually just an ordinary human being. In other words, they're human beings as we were intended to be when God created us. That's right. Human beings by nature are mystics. They are saints. That's the definition of what it is to be human. And so our whole life is all about striving just to be an ordinary human, which in more secular understanding seems to be extraordinary. But actually a saint, this so-called extraordinary person, has simply reached the level of being an ordinary human being. Now, since we are in ordinary time, what we're going to do is look at some ordinary things, ordinary questions. I'm going to answer some questions today that are often asked of me. Whenever people encounter me as an Eastern Catholic priest, these are, I guess, what you would call ordinary questions, but what's kind of interesting about them These ordinary questions actually elicit, then, extraordinary-slash-ordinary questions. Notice how I use those two words together, ordinary and extraordinary. So, an ordinary question is often asked very simply, very basic, what is an Eastern Catholic Church? Or what is a Byzantine Church, in my case? Well, the best way to understand it, simply, hopefully it's simple enough, is that the church as we know it, the Catholic church, is made up of a number of different expressions. In other words, ways of living out that one same faith. These are venerable ways, ancient ways, ways that have their own canon law, their own theology, their own spirituality, their own liturgical practices and customs, etc., etc., their own saints. And yet, they all arrive at the same point, the one same, what we might call, Catholic faith. The Eastern churches basically come understood this way. They developed along an Eastern influence and also a Greek influence. There is the Syriac influence. Syriac was a very important place of influence for the Eastern churches. And there's an Eastern and Western Syriac tradition. So, from the East, we have the Syriac influence, which came from Edessa, and we have In the Syriac influence, we have churches such as the Chaldean Church or the Malabar Church and also the Maronite Church. They follow the Syriac liturgy. Then there's the Greek influence with its centers in Antioch, Alexandria, Armenia, and Constantinople. So, from the Greek-influenced rites, we have the Malankar, Coptic, Ethiopian, Armenian, and Byzantine rite. Now, the Byzantine rite is kind of a Large umbrella, right? In other words, there's many jurisdictions that follow the Byzantine right. Think of it as an umbrella. Uh, The umbrella is the Byzantine, and underneath that umbrella is standing, like people would stand under an umbrella, is standing the different jurisdictions. For instance, Bulgarian, Croatian, Serbian, Belarusian, Ruthenian, which is what I am, Russian, Slovak, Hungarian, Croatian, Ukrainian, Albanian, Italian, and Romanian. These jurisdictions all follow the Byzantine right, which was. Greek-influenced, having its center in Constantinople, which is now modern-day Turkey. So, I know that maybe wasn't real simple, but basically, that's how it breaks down. Basic two influences of the Eastern churches, Syriac and Greek influence. But remember, all different expressions of the one same faith. Now, in the Eastern Catholic churches, there are, except for two, Eastern Orthodox counterparts. In other words, my church, for instance, has a counterpart in the Orthodox Church. And actually, we can almost say vice versa, because what created many of the Eastern Catholic churches were reunions that occurred after the Great Schism. That's in 1054 AD. And that's what created what we know as the Eastern Orthodox churches versus the Roman Catholic Church. That came to be after 1054. Among the Eastern Orthodox churches Parts of them began to reunite again with Rome and Rome with them. And that's how we have the Eastern Catholic churches. So there is a counterpart for all Eastern Catholic churches and the Orthodox churches, except for the Italian Greek Catholic Church and also the Maronite Church. Those are the only ones that don't have a counterpart in the Orthodox Church. Well, hopefully that was clear enough. That's our first ordinary question that, of course, warranted a maybe not so ordinary answer. <laughs> well. The next ordinary question is then, oftentimes it follows, well, what is the difference between an Eastern Rite or a Byzantine church and the Latin Rite church, the Roman Catholic church? Well, we can't identify that in any one particular difference. The best way we can describe it, at least that I like to describe it, is it's simply a matter of different expressions or different emphasis of the one same truth. It's something like this. If I walked into a room, let's say a large building, eh, Let's say a church, for instance. I came in the main doors of the church, and you entered that same church, that same space, through the side door. You would see that church from a perspective that you... You would see that same church from the perspective from which you entered. I would see that same church from the perspective from which I entered. There'd be different perspectives. We'd be seeing different angles, different ways of seeing the church but it's still the one same church that we're both are entering and we eventually would converge at the same point basically in other words we're in this church participating in this particular service or whatever would be going on in that church so it's by way of analogy think of it that way coming into the same place but by different doors therefore, getting different perspectives. In other words, you may see something. I'm going to call that emphasis. Something may be in front of you that's not in front of me because of the way you walked into the church. So that would be a matter of emphasis. Something is more evident in your eye from your angle than it is in my eye and vice versa. So that's the differences. That's how we sum up the difference. There's no way to pinpoint like there's one difference. It has to do with, a well, it's more more of a universal kind of question. The differences go throughout the different rites, but the best way to understand it is it's simply coming at the same truth from different angles. And largely it's a matter of emphasis. What does one church emphasize that the other does not? One is not right or wrong or better. They're just different. That's all. And you put them all together and you get that genius, the beauty of the church made up of all that diversity. And diversity, in this case, is not just ethnic diversity, but diversity of Right of venerable ancient traditions, different ways of living out the one same faith. Okay, we're going to entertain some of the other ordinary questions with extraordinary ordinary answers when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
1: Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Full bodied Christianity, giving your heart and lungs. To Christ. And now, a Szeptitsky Institute minute with Father Peter Galadza. At the height of World War II, Archbishop Andrei Szeptitsky found time to publish a pastoral letter on singing in church. He wrote The service that we render to God should embrace everything God has given us. We should pray not only in spirit, that is, with our mind and heart, but also in body and with everything that we possess both in our souls and bodies, with everything that we can use to praise the Most High. In song, humans give their lungs, hands, knees, all their body, voice, their tongue, their sense of beauty, of melody, rhythm and harmony, in short, their whole selves in service to the Lord. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit ca. That's S H E P T Y T S K Y Institute. C A
0: You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East.
1: You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling
0: Welcome back to Light of the East. We are in ordinary time, as they say in the western lung of the church, or in the eastern lung of the church, we are in the weeks after Pentecost. But as I mentioned before, ordinary is never just ordinary in the church. Everything's extraordinary and ordinary all at the same time. But we're looking at ordinary questions today, questions that I am often asked as a Byzantine priest. So let's, there's, well, there's actually quite a list of them. So we'll try to get through a few more before the end of the program. Another question that is asked often is, well, how is your liturgy different than the Latin Rite liturgy or the Latin Rite Mass? Well, again, and if you notice what I'm doing in our program today is I'm giving kind of basic simplistic answers. I'm not going deeply into any one question at this time. That, of course, we can do on subsequent programs, but I'm just trying to give you basic sort of comeback lines that I like to use to explain things and answer these questions. So what is the difference between the Byzantine liturgy and the Latin Rite liturgy? Well, again, think of it not just as one thing that I can point to, but think of it as more of an emphasis, an approach, an ethos. The basic skeleton, I'll use that analogy, the skeleton of the Mass, the Eucharist, whether East or West, is basically the same. In other words, you would recognize, as I often tell my Latin right friends, if you came to an Eastern liturgy, you would certainly recognize things like litanies, readings. There's always going to be bread and wine, you know, the gifts. You would recognize a homily. You'd recognize the Our Father. You'd recognize Holy Communion, although in different styles and forms among the different churches, but still, of course, it's bread and wine consecrated. You would recognize the blessing of the priest. You would recognize candles and imagery, and there's chants. So there's actually quite a bit that should be familiar. I call it the, the skeleton, but it's the meat on the bones of the skeleton that really points to the difference. In other words, it's how... How we live out those basic things that are common to the church in the liturgy east and west. That would be the difference. I can't sum it up by pointing to one thing and saying, well, that's the difference between our liturgy and your liturgy. It has much more to do with that, but so but I can try to get it into a kind of a simple way to understanding. And that simple way of understanding it would be skeleton and the meat on the bones. Think of it that way. same skeleton, same basic skeleton, but the meat and the bones are different. Again, look at the human person as male and female. Our skeletal structures are basically the same, but still there's differences between the bone structure of a man and a woman. And certainly, the meat of the bones is similar, but yet different all at the same time. So that's another good analogy. Think of the human person as male and female. Same basic skeleton, but yet differences. Same basic meat of the bones, but yet differences in the meat of the bones, you know, the flesh. And that might be one way to help understand the differences between the two liturgies. Now, another question, of course, is asked then relative to liturgy is, well, are your liturgies long? Often I'm amused at that question because many times someone who does not know much about the Eastern churches, somehow they know that. I don't know where they get that, but they all seem to know that. (laughs) And they'll, they'll think that or say that, oh, our liturgies are very long. Well, for the most part, yeah, our services, I would say, probably go longer than most services of the Western lung of the church. Not in every case, but probably for the most part. And why is this? The reason is not just because we like long liturgies or we like to torture ourselves by standing in church for so long. It's because when we enter into prayer and liturgy in the Eastern church, we have a certain sense of timelessness about it. And the liturgy design is designed in such a way, when you really participate in it, you really do lose all sense of time. You don't really stand there looking at your watch. And what happens then is we use a lot of gesture, a lot of words, lots and lots of words. It's like we're almost stumbling and fumbling around trying to find enough words to describe this incredible mystery of the Trinity and of God's incarnation and of our relationship to this awesome God. Where we need to constantly beg His forgiveness and say, "Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy." So we find ways which we're trying to describe God. It's like we can't. We find ways which we're trying to describe God, trying to honor Him worthily, and yet nothing seems to satisfy. So we grab another word, another phrase, another poetic verse. Make this one even more flower than the next one. This one even more rich than the next one. It's like we're we're chasing after some kind of way to worthily think. This awesome God, and so that's one of the reasons why our liturgies are are longer. Another reason is is because we're trying to teach ourselves something. We're trying to form ourselves into a certain vocabulary. In other words, to train ourselves on how to address God, how to contemplate these mysteries, and so we sort of are building up a kind of a spiritual liturgical vocabulary. And so there's a lot to that. So. Think of it not so much that our goal is to be long. Our goal is simply, actually, we don't have any sense of time on it. Our goal is simply to try to find as much as we can to do and give and say about God because he is so awesome and so wonderful. Now, oftentimes then, someone will ask me, well, can I attend your liturgy if I'm not an Eastern Catholic? Yes, you can attend. In fact, you should attend. Pope John Paul II in his document, Oriental Lumen, from which we get the name of this program, Light of the East. And in that document, Pope John Paul II urged Latinx Catholics to, in fact, experience and learn about the Eastern churches so as to round out, develop, expand your concept, your, your vision, your view, your understanding of the whole church that breathes with both lungs East and West. So can you attend? Yes, and you should attend. And related to that then, can you receive Holy Communion? That's another question I get asked. Yes, you can receive Holy Communion if, of course, you're Catholic in good standing with the church. Now, a close question to that would be, what about the Orthodox churches? And many times we're confused with the Orthodox churches. As I mentioned earlier, we came from the Orthodox churches, but we are not Orthodox. We are Eastern Catholic. We have the same liturgy and spirituality as the Orthodox, because again, we came from there. But we are in full communion with the Pope of Rome, so we are Eastern Catholic. Now, if a Catholic attends the liturgy at an Orthodox Church, according to the Catholic canon law, you would be allowed to receive Holy Communion if you attended that liturgy. But according to most Orthodox churches, they would not give you Holy Communion unless you were an Orthodox member, a member of the Orthodox Church. But it's not the case with the Eastern Catholic Churches. Eastern Catholic Churches, yes, if you're a Catholic in good standing with the Church, of course, you can receive Holy Communion at an Eastern Catholic liturgy. Usually, Holy Communion is done in both species, a form of bread and wine. In many Eastern Catholic Churches, such as my own, the Byzantine Church, they use a leavened bread, which is consecrated, it's cut up, and then it is put into the consecrated wine. And so you receive both of them together, both species, the bread and the wine, and it uses leavened bread. But by all means, yes, if you're a Catholic good standing and you attend a Byzantine liturgy or liturgy in any of the Eastern rites, yes, you can receive Holy Communion. Here's a question that is very pertinent to certain Eastern churches, such as my own. The question is, why do you have three bars on your cross? That's a very ordinary, common, ordinary question. Remember, ordinary also means extraordinary for us today in our program. Why do you use three bars on your cross? Well, one of the reasons is, is because anytime you see three in the Eastern churches, you know that we're talking about or expressing the Trinity. We're very, very Trinitarian, very, very Trinity conscious. We love doing things in three. We like symbolizing things in threes. If one is good, three is even better. So very Trinitarian conscious. In fact, what we do is we conclude our prayers invoking the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. So, the three bars indicate the Trinity, because the whole Trinity was involved in our salvation. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, for our salvation. But it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together that were all part of the whole plan of our salvation. So, we have three bars in our cross indicating the Holy Trinity. And also, the bottom bar is slanted. It's slanted upwards towards the right of Christ, which indicates the good thief who repented and went to heaven. It also symbolizes the shape of the crosses that some of the apostles were crucified on, X-shaped crosses and upside-down crosses, because they thought they were not worthy enough to be even crucified the same way as Jesus. So they actually requested an added humiliation by being put upside down. So that is indicated by the slanted bar on the bottom of the cross in the Byzantine church. Three-bar cross, several meanings for that cross. Do we use instruments during liturgy? In the Eastern churches, for the most part, for most Eastern Rite churches, The human voice is basically the only instrument, and it's not because we have anything against musical instruments. It's simply what the East decided on as the way of worship. We would use only the human voice, and we use that voice in terms of a particular chant. Most Eastern churches have their own respective chants, and when we chant, what we're doing is we're chanting what we believe our prayer becomes our theology, our theology becomes our prayer. And so when we chant and sing in church, we're not just singing because you're supposed to sing beautiful hymns in church. That's part of it. But we're actually proclaiming what we believe. And we do so poetically and musically from our heart, our whole mind, soul, and body, our whole being. These are just a few ordinary questions during this ordinary, extraordinary time of the weeks after Pentecost. We'll look at a whole lot more of these questions in subsequent programs. But thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
1: Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East on Father Thomas Loya, or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, for the first time.
0: Thank you for listening.